So we're looking uh, today at Acts chapter 24, verses 22 through 27. And a story that uh, Dave has told in the past, and I've heard it several times also, is that uh, one Sunday morning there's this huge blizzard. It wasn't quite 20 below like it is this morning. And uh, it was a small country church, and the pastor was there as always. And he waited and waited, and finally one old farmer came. They waited some more, and nobody else showed up. So the pastor said, it's time for the sermon. So he stood up and started his message, and the old farmer was sitting in the front row, and no one else there. So after 15 minutes, the farmer kind of looked at his watch, and the pastor kept going. 30 minutes, he was still going at it. 45 and then after one hour, he finally quit. So the pastor goes to the back of the church, and the old farmer's about ready to leave, and only one person there to shake his hand. And so he shakes his hand and says, well, what did you think of my sermon? And the old farmer had said, well, when I take a load of hay out to my cows, if I only have one cow there, I don't feed him the whole load. But my back is bad, so I can't unload the whole load, so you're going to get it all today. So Acts chapter 24, verse 22 through 27. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. For those that uh, take notes, that's you, Joan. I'll go slow here for you. I have three points. The first one is God's amazing love. The second one is our responsibility to God's amazing love. And lastly, in this life, there's a last time for everything. To give you a, a background here, to the scripture reading. Uh, we find Paul on trial in Caesarea before Felix. And what got Paul here? Well, uh, in the preceding chapters, Paul had been in the temple and he was then falsely accused by the Jewish people, in particular the Sanhedrin. And they tried to kill him in a riot. 
the captain of the Roman army that was there, uh, probably had a thousand men under his uh, control, sent his troops out to save Paul. The next day, uh, the captain of the guard wanted to try to figure out what this riot was all about, so he takes Paul down to the Sanhedrin, again, the same people that the day before had tried to kill him in a riot, and wanted to get to the bottom of it. And during the proceedings, they tried to tear Paul apart again. So the second time, Paul is saved by uh, the Roman soldiers. He then puts him back up in protection in the barracks with him, and the captain of the guard then finds out that a plot is going on against Paul's life, that they plan to assassinate him as soon as they take him out. And in order to save his life, the captain of the guard takes Paul with 470 soldiers and takes him from Jerusalem down to Caesarea. Caesarea is the uh, political center of the Roman army. Uh, it's about 80 miles from Jerusalem. It's down on the Mediterranean Ocean. So he takes him there by night. And then when he gets there, uh, they wait five days. The Sanhedrin comes to make accusation against Paul. Um, somewhat of a, tr a trial is had, or at least a hearing is had, and the Sanhedrin, again, falsely accuses Paul. Paul gives a very eloquent defense, and at this point is where we now find them. Felix is ready to adjourn. So in, chap in verse 22, then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. So this is the end of the initial hearing. He's talking to the Jewish people, and he says that he will decide Paul's case when the captain of the guard comes down to Caesarea. The captain of the guards had already written a letter to Felix, and basically uh, he told the truth that Paul was being falsely accused, and because the conflicting testimony of those that were there at the hearing and Paul, he's saying, well, I'm going to wait until we have the captain and the guard comes. And it's interesting to note here, uh, which ties into my, the points in my message, is that Felix is familiar with the way. And what on earth is the way? Well, that is what Christianity was called in the early days. The Jewish people called it uh, a sect of the Nazarenes, and Paul was their ringleader. So the Jews did not uh, look favorably at all, obviously, on Christianity, for they had killed Christ, and they had stoned uh, uh, Stephen, killed others, and that was their goal, was obviously to kill Paul as well. But Felix was familiar with the way, he was familiar with the Christianity, and you read different translations, uh, it, it it gives the idea that he was very familiar, probably more familiar than most people in the area. And we have to remember that Caesarea is the location of Cornelius. Remember Cornelius? He was the first uh, Gentile recorded in the Bible that was saved. He was a centurion here some 20 years before at Caesarea as well. So there were Christians in Caesarea. This is the home of, of Philip, uh, one of the original seven, uh, so there's a strong Christian faith here. So Felix 
Never accepted Christianity, but yet he was familiar with it. He was exposed to it. Like many people in the United States, they're very familiar with Christianity. Continuing then in verse 23. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. So Paul was not treated as a regular prisoner. He had freedom. He would be in the same uh, home that uh, Felix was in. He allowed Paul's friends to come and minister to them. And as we had seen uh, in the following verses, that possibly one of the reasons he allowed Paul to come, or his friends to come, is that they could maybe bring money and he could be bribed to let Paul go. He knew that Paul was innocent, but because he was politically correct, he wanted to appease uh, the Jews as much as possible. So to irritate one person, Paul, uh, was a small price to pay. So he kept him under guard, and possibly one reason that he kept him under guard is remember that Paul, they had attempted to kill Paul three times in the last couple weeks. So by keeping him in his palace, he also was keeping Paul safe. Verse 24. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As we see in the verses that I've read, the Bible presents uh, Felix in a pretty good light. But in reality, what kind of individual is Felix? What kind of person is Drusilla? And as I studied and read that, that's where my uh, points came in, that uh, God's amazing love. Felix uh, was born, uh, he's a Greek, born a slave, and through hook, crook, and corruption, he worked his way up the ladder to eventually become governor of Judea, of this area. He was ruthless, wicked, and evil. Not too different from many of the rulers of that time. And the reason, down in verse 27, that uh, he was replaced is that there was an argument between two groups of people at Caesarea. So his way of settling the dispute was Let's kill both sides, and I'll take all their money. So that's how uh, he handled problems. That's the kind of individual he was. Um, history tells us, at least some of the biographers of the time, that uh, he had the, the appetite of a king, but the mentality of a slave. Then we come to his wife, Drusilla. Nothing else is really said here, but she comes from the dynasty of Herod. Remember the line of Herod? Her father uh, was recorded in Acts chapter 12. He is the one that had uh, James, the brother of John, killed with a sword. He saw that it pleased the Jews so much that he decided, I'm going to do the same thing to Peter. So he puts Peter in prison. And the next day, he's about ready to uh, have him executed as well. And an answer to prayer happens. God intervenes by sending angels. 
And as you read the passage about the only way we and, you know, our mind can make sense of it, uh, he made uh, Peter invisible. The chains fell off. He walked through the door, walked down the street, walked past the guards, and escapes. And Herod, her father, uh, the way he handled the situation is he asked the guards what happened. They couldn't give him a satisfactory answer, so he killed him. Her father then comes down from uh, Jerusalem to Caesarea, maybe this very place, castle, that she's sitting in at this point in time. And while he's there, he gives a speech to the people, and the people are uh, flattering him, and he accepts their flattery. And God, at that point in time, uh, immediately, uh, he's, the scripture reading is well worth reading in Acts chapter 12. It says, he sent worms to kill him, or worms to eat him, and then he died. That would be something out of a horror movie to see uh, Herod standing there all of a sudden uh, taking the glory that belongs to God and he begins to be eaten by worms and then he dies. That was Drusilla's father. If that's not enough, her great uncle was the Herod that uh, tormented Christ during the trials and he also had John the Baptist beheaded. And if she would check her gene pool a little farther, she would go back to the Herod at the time when Christ was born. And you remember that story, that uh, he wanted to kill Jesus. The wise men tricked him. So he went then and killed all of the children in that area. So that is the kind of family tree that she has. So this is where God's amazing love comes in. You know, oftentimes we think that uh, some people just aren't worth saving. But there is no one so wicked that cannot be saved, and no one so good that doesn't need to be saved. And here we see Drusilla and Felix kind of fall into that first group. I mean, my goodness, how could God even think of saving them? And we knew that Felix was familiar with the way. It says that his wife, Drusilla, was a Jewish, Jewess, meaning that uh, she was familiar with the scriptures. But yet, God gave them a private audience with Paul. It says that uh, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. So we have an evangelistic meeting here, three people, Paul the preacher, Drusilla, and Felix. That's it. That is how much God loved these two people, that he wanted to see them saved, even though she came from the line of Herod, and Felix was a slave that was uh, extremely wicked and an evil person, but yet God came to save even them. Paul, the preacher, uh, probably the greatest uh, evangelist that ever walked the face of the earth. He was a Billy Graham of that day. He wrote over 25% of the entire New Testament. So if anybody would be able to touch their heart with the gospel, with the truth, with arguments, it certainly should be able to be Paul. 
So he spoke to Paul about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix ended up being afraid. I've kind of divided myself uh, verses 24 and 25 that I've said, verse 24, when Paul was talking to Felix, he was talking doctrine. So those in the doctrine class, I won't pick on you now, but, but what is doctrine? Isn't that, you know, principles, the precepts, uh, the basic foundation that our faith is built upon? He was building a foundation for Felix and Drusilla to understand what the gospel was. He was giving them uh, some doctrine. And then in verse 25, he goes from doctrine to discipline. Uh, discipline is, or, or disciple is one who is disciplined in the doctrine. Those of us that believe are to be disciplined in the doctrine. So Felix and Drusilla certainly weren't there yet, but nonetheless, these are uh, what you would see in a believer. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, what's righteousness? Well, that's right living, that's doing things correctly. In his case, uh, that would be just treating people fairly. But what had he done with Paul? Paul was innocent. And so to Paul, he continued, as we see, holding him prisoner for another two years. About this time, I see Felix beginning to squirm in his chair. Probably beads of sweat are coming down. Uh, he's being extremely tormented. I can see the Spirit of God working on his heart. And the Bible says that if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Paul was really putting it to Felix, demonstrating God's amazing love for him. So as he talks about uh, righteousness, Felix realizes, <laughs> that's not me. Then he goes on and talks about self-control. Well, self-control, Felix also was a little short in that area. Uh, his wife, Drusilla, at the age of 14, married someone else. By hook and crook, uh, Felix stole her for his wife. And then the judgment to come. For every one of us, there is a judgment that will come. Good news is I can't even see the clock up there. There's a glare. That's what Pastor Pat's problem is, too. <laughs> I've got at least a half a load of hay. Three quarters left here. <laughs> so when it comes to uh, the judgment to come, I'm, I am going to read Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Because this message today is for believers and for those that maybe are like Felix and like Drusilla. Uh, hopefully God is talking to you today realizing that there is a judgment to come. So quickly in Revelation, uh, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books 
were open. There's a book out there with your name on it. Another book was open, which was the book of life. Is your name in the book of life? The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. You see, the books are very important. The sea gave up the dead that was in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. The death is the physical death. Hades is uh, a place where your soul or spirit is kept. And each person was judged according to what he had done. That ends up being point two. It's our responsibility or our response to God's amazing love. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I had a family member that used to say, when you're dead, you're dead. Not so. Because if what he had said is true, then the Bible is a lie, front to finish. There's no word in the Bible that is not true. And we can't choose and pick what we want. There will be a judgment. And for some people, or for those that aren't saved, they, they wonder, gee, is it the next sin that I do that will condemn me? Or maybe the one after that. Which one is it? Well, we're all familiar with John 3.16, but not so familiar with John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. I'd said, stands condemned already. So it's, the not, it's not the next sin that you're going to commit. You're already condemned. So there's no question that everyone will face judgment. Everyone is condemned unless you accept Christ. It's a given fact. You're not going to escape it. This is the doctrine that Paul was giving to Felix and Drusilla. And with that, we see then that Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Felix was terrified. He was terrified. Uh, Scared to death, if you would like to say that. Uh, he saw himself. He saw the judgment. He knew where he was heading. But his love of this life, the things that it had given him, uh, his pleasures here on earth, far outweighed, in his mind, the judgment to come. He couldn't take it anymore. God's amazing love offered a message strictly for Felix and Drusilla, and they rejected it. He said, at another time. Well, as we study the Bible, we find that God speaks to man's heart. And it's through God's uh, moving in our lives that we end up being saved to him. And remember the story of Moses and Pharaoh and the plagues? Uh, there were ten plagues. Each one of those plagues had a purpose. Uh, and they were to soften Pharaoh's heart. But in the end, we find out that Pharaoh's heart just got harder and harder and harder. God was patient with Pharaoh. God was patient with Drusilla and with Felix. God's patient with you, but there does come a time 
third point. In this life, there's a last time for everything. There's a last time that God is going to knock on your heart's door. There's a last time as a believer that uh, we have an opportunity to tell someone, I forgive you. There's a last time to demonstrate God's amazing love. There's a last time to um, hug your wife, hug your husband, or your children, or tell someone you love them. There's a last time to witness to someone, whoever it might be, and we need to remember that. And as far as we know, that this was Drusilla's and Felix's last time. It's interesting as you continue to read secular history, remember Pompeii? Anybody remember the story of Pompeii? Mount, Mount what? Vesuvius? Volcano? I think there was probably a movie made of that. Uh, it was a very fast eruption. Uh, what was it? Up to 100 feet of, of ash fell and the people that were there were basically uh, preserved, if you will. Uh, they the hot gases came through, they couldn't breathe, they virtually died immediately. Drusilla was one of the victims, her and Felix's son. There was a last time in this life for everything. At that point in time, her eternity was sealed, and it happened in one breath when the volcano erupted. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. Interesting that uh, Felix's heart was hardened. He called for Paul to talk to him, probably so he could get a bribe. But notice that um, Paul was not uh, providing the gospel anymore. Uh, he knew that that door was shut. God's amazing love uh, was extended only to a certain point in time for Felix. And in verse 27, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Here is Paul, an innocent man, still left in prison. Why was uh, Felix replaced? Well, Earlier in my uh, message there, I had said that when Felix settled the last case between two groups of people, he murdered them, took their money. That ended up uh, to the Caesar. Caesar said, Felix, why don't you come over to Rome for a little bit here? And uh, Felix went to Rome. Undoubtedly, the reason that he went would for him to be executed, at worst, severely punished, but... Felix's brother was the secretary of the treasury. He knew people in high places, and Felix was able to escape that punishment. So let's take a, a look again before we close here at the second point, our responsibility to God's amazing love. Felix's responsibility was to accept that love, simply accept it. And we as believers have already accepted it, so what is our responsibility? Well, uh, remember we had talked about doctrine, and then we had talked a little bit uh, about discipline. Well, let's look at Paul for a moment. Paul is the best example of a Christian that you're going to find 
far as a man goes, in the New Testament. Uh, Paul perfectly demonstrates God's love here. Here we have Paul standing before Felix. Felix is a crooked judge. He hasn't gotten a trial. He's held there for two years. We do not find Paul complaining, whining, saying, life isn't fair. He simply is demonstrating God's amazing love. If anybody had a right to be angry, it would be Paul. The reason that Paul was there is because somebody else tried to kill him three times in the last couple weeks. And who's on trial? Paul. Because he's falsely accused. In this life, uh, we need to realize and understand that life is not fair. And maybe that's the reason that God extended his grace and his mercy to us, that we can uh, live this life in that way. We need to be a light for those people that are in darkness to demonstrate God's amazing love. Paul clearly did it here. He had uh, no bitterness, no hatred, simply love for Felix and Drusilla as he expressed the gospel. And that's what we need to do in our life. We need to every day walk in the light of God, no matter what situation comes against us, um, no matter how unfairly we're treated, we still need to have the joy of the Lord in our lives, no matter what. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, as always, we thank you for your word. It is very powerful. Lord, thank you for uh, revealing to us today some uh, inside stories here to get a better understanding of your amazing love. Lord God, you've given us a great example uh, of Paul and how he responds to your love that uh, no matter what happens in his life, he will continue to love other people. Lord, we need to put that in place in our life. We also need to realize, Lord, that there's a last time for everything in this life, no matter what it is. So if we have a list of things that need to be done, uh, people that we need to forgive, uh, someone else that we need to witness to, whatever it might be, a wrong that needs to be made right, Father God, we just ask that you burn that into our heart today and make us uncomfortable until we correct that relationship. Lord, we are told uh, in Romans 12 to be at peace with everyone as much as it depends upon us. Lord God, uh, help us to be instruments of your peace. Father, if there's anyone here today that uh, goes by the name Felix or goes by the name Drusilla, that they've never made that decision, that commitment, we pray, Father, that uh, your Holy Spirit would make them uncomfortable, would make them squirm in their seat. Lord God, that they would commit and respond to your amazing love. Father God, if there be anyone here today, Lord, I ask that they would uh, seek me out after the service, that we could talk and get them headed from simply a, a doctrine, a principle, to a way of life in you, a fullness of the Spirit as you indwell us. Lord God, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing, We Fall Down. We fall down.
of Jesus. 